All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the inaugural episode of the Forest Ward podcast. We're here with uh, Chris Davis, who's currently serving as the bishop of the Forest Ward, and we're thrilled to get it started with him, finally get it up on awesome. the ground. So, Bishop, can you uh, can you start by telling us just a little bit about your background, kind of your sure. early life, what, yeah. what childhood was like for you? Yeah. So, uh, I am the oldest of four kids. Um, we grew up in Southern California, in San Bernardino. Um, my mom was not a member of the church when um, when I was born or when my uh, brother was born, who's about two and a half years younger than me. Um, she was not about to let her husband push her into the church. Uh, and, and he was a member of the church. He grew up in the church, but he wasn't super active at the time. His parents weren't super active. Um, but when... I was born, they lived in Cal Poly, they lived in uh, San Luis Obispo, California, where I was born. They were, he was going to Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo, and he decided that it was time for him to be active in the church, participate more in the gospel. And of course, he wanted his sweet wife to do that, and he would bring, now this is from them, obviously, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he encouraged the missionaries to come by, and, and multiple times have him them come and teach my mom, who did not have any interest at the time. Of course. <laughs> um, but eventually, eventually, she had some interest, and she was baptized after we left um, uh, Cal, Poly Pomona, uh, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. I think we were living in Covina or Alhambra. I think it might have been Alhambra at the time. She joined the church, and uh, eventually um, we went to the temple when my brother was probably... A year, maybe two years old. So I was probably okay. about four and a half, five years old. Okay. Um, and then I had two sisters that were after that. Um, and my mom was a nurse. My dad is an accountant. And uh, just at that point, typical family life. Went to school. Were you active in the in the ward there? Um, and eventually, uh, I left on a mission. We 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 moved from. Covina to Rialto to San Bernardino. I graduated high school in, from San Bernardino um, and started at Cal State San Bernardino in about a year and a half after that. Because at the time, you had to be 19 to go on a mission. Oh, yeah. And I have a December birthday, so I graduated high school at 17. So I had about a year and a half before I could serve a mission. Okay. And uh, served in the Canary Islands and uh, came home and... Uh, wasn't dating anybody right off the bat, and my uh, my cousin, who lived in Utah, introduced me to her sister-in-law, who is my okay. now my wife. So, what was that? What was that process like of getting to know your wife and the timeline leading up to her becoming your wife? It was not fun because I lived in San Bernardino and she lived in Orem, Utah. So yeah. we did the long distance thing. Okay, and it was. I, I got that drive <clears throat> down to about seven and a half hours between <laughs> San Bernardino and and, uh, and Orem, Utah. That's making good time. It was. Yeah. So so that's I mean, that's how it recorded. We dated. Um, she would fly down if she had some time, or I'd drive up. And uh, we did not discuss marriage prior to me asking her to marry me. Hmm. Um, in fact, the conversation of should we be exclusive kind of happened maybe a month before that. Wow. And um, and we talked about our future relation, the future of our relationship 
on the way as I was driving her to Bridal Veil Falls in Provo Canyon mm-hmm. to ask her to marry me. Mm-hmm. I knew what I was doing. She didn't know what was going on. <laughs> so it was a surprise for one of you. It was a surprise. Okay. And, uh, and it was cold. It was a November evening. And it was about maybe about midnight. And I pulled over on the side of the road. I asked her to get out. And she was reluctant because it was really cold. Uh-huh. I asked her to sit on the guardrail so I could, you know, kneel down and ask her to marry me. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't sit on the guardrail because it was cold. And uh, so I asked her to marry me. Actually, she will tell you differently. She'll say that I asked her if she would consider marrying me. And, uh, mm-hmm. and that was it. Okay. She said yes. It was a yes, I assume. It was. Okay, good. And I hadn't even asked her parents... <laughs> Oh, man. But my cousins knew. Okay. Okay. My, my cousins knew I was coming up. They had hijacked her. She wasn't. She wanted to go to a concert that evening. Okay. And her brother um, kept the car from her uh, so that she couldn't go to Salt Lake to go to the concert. Okay. And so I showed up instead, and then she was happy. Okay. And so... And I think she's been mostly happy ever since. Great. That's perfect. And so how long, is it, how long has the marriage been? We have been married uh, in January. It was 25 years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And so tell us a bit about your family now. So now we, uh, we've replicated what my parents did. Okay. They had two boys, two girls. We also had two boys, two girls. Okay. Planned it just like that. And, uh, and it's, been, it's been good. Challenges for sure. Um, but we've kind of hit a groove and we really like being grandparents. And... Um, so. When things really pay off, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> We're in the sweet spot right now. All right, can you tell me, uh, are there a couple of memories or thoughts about your childhood that stand out, out to you now? Sure. So, um, we didn't necessarily have... Um, so I, I, I knew that my parents had testimonies and, and believed in the gospel. Um, we didn't necessarily do... Um, family home meetings as on a regular basis, but we for sure went on father and son's outings. And so I remember my my dad would take my brother and I on on father and son's outings. Uh, he'd take my cousin uh, and anybody else that one was able to come. And uh, we had a brown canvas tent that I'm sure was a bear to put together, and uh, and we'd go and, and enjoy it. Um, we, we would spend quite a bit of time with my, um, my grandmothers. They both lived uh, nearby us in San Bernardino. Mm-hmm. So we'd spend quite a bit of time with them. And, uh, I don't know, it was good. It yeah. was, was fairly uneventful. So. Low drama. You might it say was, right. it was good. Good. Yeah. Great. Um, how about over the course of, well... I think we got a pretty good, uh, some pretty good context already. But what role would you describe um, missionary service has played in your life, or what role do you hope it continues to play in your life? Sure. So um, I am sealed to my parents because of the missionary efforts of my dad and uh, and missionaries that were um, that were I don't want to use the word persistent, but patient absolutely patient with my mom um, and she has a very strong testimony of the gospel and I actually enjoy listening to her share her testimony because you recognize 
that uh, she developed that on her own, right? It wasn't that she was born in the church and that was their tradition and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but eventually, you have to develop your own testimony. You cannot continue just to have a testimony because your parents went to church. It, it eventually has to become your own testimony. So, so um, also, uh, having served a mission... I recognize that um, that my missionary service hugely impacted my life. Um, I learned how to study the gospel for myself, how to um, read the scriptures and understand and and put the idea of asking our heavenly Father to the test. Being obedient as a missionary paid huge blessings. Um, leadership opportunities on my mission were, were fantastic. Working with my mission president was a blessing, who I still keep in contact now with. Um, and I speak Spanish because of serving in Spain, which has been a great blessing uh, in my work. So, yeah, a lot of benefits. You know, serving, serving a mission and uh, provide you with different perspectives, right? Mm-hmm. So you served here, mm-hmm. you left Washington, Correct. you recognized, okay, the world is not like Washington. No. <laughs> I recognized, oh, the world's not like San Bernardino, California. Mm-hmm. F- words don't always function the same way that you think a word should function. Yeah, very different. Yeah. Yeah. And and you recognize, but, but wait, it's still the gospel. Mm-hmm. I'm, I didn't serve as the primary president, but I served as the only teacher in the primary uh, because there were like three kids. It, it, you know, but, get, but guess what? The gospel was the same. Mm-hmm. And mission companions that were branch presidents. And, yeah. you know, those things just, you're still teaching the gospel and living the gospel. Yeah. So, just gives you a little different perspective. Yeah. I look at Caitlin and, uh, and Porter and their, their opportunities to serve. And, and Porter... One of his first experiences on his mission was, Dad, there's something wrong with the ward here because it's not the same as back home. I'm like, sorry, son, that's just how it is. Learn to love it. <laughs> yeah. Your bishop's not wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just different. It just yeah. is. But the gospel's the same. Yeah. So. Yeah, wonderful outlook. Um, can you, can you t- talk a little bit about how you might describe the development of, of your faith? Sure. So... Uh, uh, little at a time, mm-hmm. little at a time, and and probably, probably, uh, similar to how others develop their testimony is small, little, um, aha moments that you recognize. Mm-hmm. Okay, that that makes sense now, or the spirit touches you in a, in certain ways. I one of the uh. One of the ways I developed a, a love for the gospel, for, for the Book of Mormon, we were living in, I, I think it was, it must have been Rialto. Anyway, I was a youth living in the war, and they decided that kind of a challenge for the summer, if you read the Book of Mormon by such a date, you would go to the Manti pageant. Yeah, I think it was the Manti pageant. So, all right, I'm a procrastinator. <laughs> And uh, I, I crushed it all together, right? But 
prior to that, I had read, uh, as a young, young man, those, I think they're over there, those blue, um, maybe you've seen them, they're the blue, light blue, illustrated stories of the Book of Mormon. And this is, these. Oh, yeah, yeah. You ever seen these? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that's not going to show up, sound very well on... I'm holding a blue illustrated stories of the Book of Mormon. This is excellent podcasting. So, but, but it broke it down. It was easy to understand. Mm-hmm. And so then you read the Book of Mormon itself, and you're like, okay, I, I understand this a little better now. So that was kind of the beginning of my testimony of, of the Book of Mormon. And then as you, as you read it before your mission, and you read it on your mission, you recognize, okay, this is, this is for real. Mm-hmm. Um... Uh, serving in, uh, as a counselor to Bishop Hewish, um, you, there's different experience where you realize that the Lord is inspiring you and giving you direction in your life. Um, so it, it's, it was slow, gradual, and then occasionally peppered with aha moments. So yeah. I feel like that's the pattern Yeah, for the most part, right? Yeah. It was, it's certainly not... An Alma the Younger episode, oh, or yeah. or a Joseph Smith episode. Yeah, right? this would be a much longer episode if it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, so going back to family relationships, can you tell us a little bit about the family relationships that have had the most impact on your life? Sure. Whether that be specific people or specific aspects of the relationships with all of your family, however, yeah. however you want to describe it. Sure. So, um, I I was super excited to get married. Knowing that um, that my wife and I would be sealed for eternity, um, and that relationship has had the biggest impact on probably every other relationship. Um, you you learn to compromise. You learn to be patient. You learn to see things through somebody else's perspective. You recognize that their growing up was completely different than yours, and that influence and has. A big impact on the way they see view things. Um, in fact, I, I was so excited that when the sealer is performing this wedding, the sealing ceremony, mm-hmm. he paused, and I thought he was done. So I said, "Yes." He said, "Brother Davis, you're, you have to wait till I'm done." <laughs> <laughs> you were very excited. I was excited. <laughs> I wanted to be married. I, you know, it was time to move out of the house and be yeah. married and start our own family mm-hmm. and family unit and things of that nature. So it was, it was good. Um, so I think, I think my relationship with my wife has the biggest impact on the, my other relationship. Now, uh, you asked earlier, or we were talking about kids and, and mm-hmm. raising kids and favorite times of life. Yeah. Um, I, I just recognize that each of them, I have, I have relationships with each of them that's individual to that person. Mm-hmm. Um, and love each and every one of them equally as much, but different for different reasons. Mm-hmm. And and we have common. I have common interests with each of those children for completely different reasons. Mm-hmm. So and and as you watch your children grow and and you can celebrate their um, their successes and help them through their challenges, uh, that's good stuff. Yeah. 
That's the key role as parents, right? My 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 my, my patriarchal blessing says something about my kids, and it says. Uh, uh, it says. And, oh, that they will that my children uh, will be a source of joy unspeakable, and and I think we had a conversation last week in Bishopric meeting about joy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. you're right. And it's it's a long feeling, a long term outlook. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. So we it, raising him hasn't always been easy. Mm-hmm. And and I don't want to say I'm still in the middle of it because we're at a little different stage of life. Yeah. But I still hope that I can have some influence on them. Mm-hmm. So. Well, perfect. Um, let's go into a little bit about what life is like outside of the home and outside of bishoping, you might sure. say. Um, tell us a little bit about your professional life, what that's like, how you, yeah. uh, what influenced you to take the professional course that you have, everything behind that. So I'm a cheapskate. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm in good company. Yeah. Well, I like to say frugal. <laughs> okay. Maybe I, I need to adopt that approach. <laughs> so um, I was getting ready to finish the University of Utah, and I knew I wanted to do something in medicine because I couldn't fly because uh, I, I wear contacts, so I couldn't fly for the military or anything like that, So, um, which would have been my probably my first, uh, my first career path. Um, so I knew I wanted to do something in medicine. Um, and I was finishing up the University of Utah, and, and uh, I didn't quite know what direction I was going to take in, you know, a physician, a nurse, or whatnot. And Jenny's uh, uncle uh, was an x-ray tech, um, so I called him up and found out about it. And Ken came to find out that school that he went to was in Provo, Utah, where we were living in Orem at the time. Mm-hmm. Well, the school was only $700 for two years worth of school. And I said, oh, I, I, I think I can manage that. <laughs> wow. So, so anyway, I went to x-ray school and became an x-ray tech. And at the same time, I kind of went to x-ray school because just as I was finishing uh, University of Utah, I got introduced to the idea of a physician assistant, mm-hmm. PA. But at the time, they're really, really important kind of one of their major requirements was that you had to have X number of hours um, uh, in a clinical role, in patient contact hours is what they call it. Mm, yeah. And I figured, well, I can go to the x-ray school for two years, and that'll count, mm-hmm. plus um, I can work, and mm-hmm. it's only going to cost 700 bucks. Mm-hmm. so I, uh, okay, I'll do that. Yeah. And uh, so I went to x-ray school, finished that. We moved down here that after that. Uh, in in two thousand, just after Kate was born, okay. And uh, then I started applying to PA schools here and got in the second round, uh, second second cycle of, of trying. So is it more the PA school that brought you down here? Or was it just the work? As well, an so it was a combination of three down? things. Okay. Uh, four things, I guess. Number one, the job market was better here as an X-ray tech than it was in Provo. Okay. Number two. Uh, in Arizona at the time, there were two PA schools, and in Utah, there was only one. So, my chances were better to get into a PA school down here. Okay. Third, my parents from here, still living in San Bernardino, were only five hours away. In okay. Provo, it's eight hours away. So, the proximity to family. And Jenny's uh, sister, or Jenny's brother and sister-in-law that introduced us, 
Um, they had moved to Mesa subsequent okay. to us getting married. So, okay. So okay. it was multifactorial. Yeah. But uh, all kind of worked out. Great. So, so once I graduated PA school, I put the x-ray background and the PA education together. And now I work in radiology as a physician assistant. Cool. So, and that's been for how many years uh, at this point? So I've been an x-ray tech for 22 years and I've been a PA for 16 years. Cool. So, wow, yep. perfect. Um, so, how about um, I guess we go back to the uh, a little bit to the spiritual side here. Um, what uh, what would you say has nurtured your testimony the most during your adult life? You can call that since getting yeah. married, mm-hmm. since being home from a mission. However, you want to whatever time frame you want to put on that. Yeah. So. Uh, the idea of of an eternal family has kind of continued to push along, right? Because when your kids are young, it is no fun to take them to church. I'm sure you've figured that out. I'm, I'm getting a little bit of a pass. Yeah, sitting just watching my wife make yeah. the battle on from the stand, but so it's tough. Yes, I can relate. It's to an tough. Extent. And and continuing and trying to do family meeting or family mm-hmm. prayers or scripture reading. Which we weren't very good at. It's, I mean, it's just hard. Yeah. And uh, and but the idea of continuing to provide um, a spiritual background, a gospel-centered focus in the home, was kind of the goal for me over over the raising children part. Mm-hmm. And. And making sure that our relationship, Jenny and I, was centered on, on the gospel. And that, that provides commitment. Mm-hmm. So that when your, you know, your relationship goes through rocky points, you center on, okay, guess what? This is the rocky point right now. Yeah. This is the tough part. And uh, so that, that idea of being centered in the gospel provides that calming effect. Mm-hmm. I guess that's a good way to transition to uh, the next question being what life experience has caused you to trust most in God? Could be Mm. those rocky points that you might have mentioned. Um, And this is something where you can go into as much detail as you you are comfortable with. But what what kind of things have helped you to turn to God the most and to exercise some trust in Him? Mm. Well... couple experiences um, so when I when I was called to be the bishop you you, you get a, oh, I'll share, share this with you a little bit so you get a phone call from the from the stake executive secretary mm-hmm. that the stake president would like to meet with you and you're like mm. I know how long Bishop Shush has been serving this is this can't be a good this can't be a good outcome, and so you start to you start to contemplate your life. Mm-hmm. You start to think, okay, well, if this is what I think it is, how does that work? And there's only one way it works, because you rely absolutely on on our heavenly Father. So they interview your wife first, hmm. and then and then. Then it's your turn to have a visit with the state president. 
And when that when that uh, when that call is extended to you, there's absolutely a, a, a fear that goes through you, but a calming effect knowing that your heavenly Father will help support. So then your assignment is to contemplate your your counselors, and you're given a very short time frame because this is going to happen on Sunday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so there's only one place to figure that out. Yeah. It's in the temple. So so one of my most precious life experiences is going through that process and recognizing the Lord knows I didn't have to figure it out. I just had to ask the Lord. Lord, these, this is what I've come up with. Mm-hmm. I'm bringing it to you. Um, and uh, so... And then the last the last few years, you just have an opportunity to to sit with with your friends and ward family that are experiencing all aspects of the gospel, the good stuff, the hard stuff, the in between stuff, and just get to be that witness and and see the gospel affect their lives, um, see them wrestle with it, see testimonies develop. Um, that's been a huge life life experience that has helped me trust the Lord because there's no way and I'm I'm the biggest knucklehead you ever met <laughs> I'll be the first to admit it and 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 yet you see that sometimes the right words come out of your mouth mm-hmm. but it wasn't you it absolutely was not it was mm-hmm. just inspiration for my Heavenly Father it's pretty cool yeah you know you go back to you go back to your mission experience I'm sure you had very similar missionary experiences where the knucklehead part, yes. Well, but here's the Lord. Completely related. Here's the Lord trusting in a 19 year old or 18 year old kid mm-hmm. to teach others. Yeah. And and he only asks that you're obedient mm-hmm. and do the work. Yeah. And he'll do all the rest. Yeah. I, he'll I, put the people in your in your path. I remember that uh, that exchange we had on the on the stand like a month ago, maybe. And I think you whispered to me. We were, the, the speakers were talking about missionary work and you said like how could this have all come about from starting as a church with six members yep. in farmland New York Yeah, I was like and I mean if it wasn't true the missionaries would have screwed it up a long time Absolutely. ago I, like, I can completely that hits home pretty yeah. pretty deeply with me uh, yeah. so I, I can relate to extent I mean, everything you why, described why is this 19 year old kid from San Bernardino, California in the Canary Islands teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ in a second language in a second language and people are understanding it mm-hmm. and people are being touched by it and you think that's not me yeah that's not me at all I'm just here to, 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 to I'm here to give the message mm-hmm. in bumbling Spanish yes <laughs> yeah more often than not right? yeah well I think and that... yet you're still your same person right you're still yeah. stubborn you still you know what a procrastinate. I, I remember my mom, when I got home from my mission, she was so excited. She said, oh, finally, you you won't be a procrastinator anymore. I'm like, sorry. Hate to disappoint. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm late. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, that's hitting too close to home. They think yeah. you come home as a fully functional adult, but you still got your quirks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, anyway, just I think that goes into really well with the final question I wanted to touch on being uh, how is in your case how has being a leader made you a better follower of Jesus Christ 
So, um, I think about that. I think about that question fairly frequently. There's the expectation of the role that the bishop plays, um, and and absolutely, you don't want to disappoint those that look to that role, the person in that role, to be an example. But that's kind of the superficial reason why you would follow our Savior Jesus Christ. Because as you sit there and you feel the Spirit on a regular basis, you crave it. You crave it and you recognize that the closer you draw to our Heavenly Father, um, the closer you try to do His will, the more and more it just becomes part of your nature. You become more patient. You become more loving. You hope that you're making less mistakes because you hope that you're listening to what he would have you do. Sometimes, I, I think we discussed uh, in Bishopric meeting recently the idea of, of, of Nephi and Lehi, the brothers, near the end of the Book of Mormon and how, um, how Nephi was entrusted with the sealing power. And whatever would happen on earth, you know, he could say it, it would happen on earth mm-hmm. because the Lord knew he would not do something. You, 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 your, your ideas, your thoughts, and your life just kind of grow closer and closer to our Heavenly Father's will. And so that question of, well, was it inspiration or was that just your own thought? It doesn't matter. It might be the same, right? It doesn't matter. You, you've, and I'm not there yet by any means, but you recognize that that's what, what occurs. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Really so cool. I guess just serving and being and having the opportunity to, to point others to our Heavenly Father mm-hmm. helps you grow closer to Heavenly Father as well. That's awesome. Well, well thank you, Bishop. Absolutely. I appreciate it.